You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right, so last week we had the varsity team, and now today you get the JV. Uh, those of you who were here last week, you got to hear my son speak. Um, that was incredible, Justin. I love you, dude. You're awesome. And I'm so proud of you. Um, and uh, it's great to have my daughter Alexis here from Province, uh, Rhode Island, where she and her husband are uh, in the ministry there, doing a great job. And uh, it's great to have you here. And uh, then there's Emma. It's great to have you here as well. And, uh, of course, my wife. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is not good. You get emotional at the beginning here. Um, so on December 16th in 1989, she said, I do. Okay, so we got married 30 years ago, and we had our 30th anniversary, and uh, I, was, I took out a calculator, and I did 30 times 365, which I think is... 10,950, and it's like 10,000, it's almost 11,000 days I've been able to spend with her, and that's awesome. Cool, that's pretty awesome. Um, I'm here this morning to talk about the wise men, so we've been doing a series on the Christmas story, and um, we're at the last Sunday of the year. So we're going to do the wise men. There's a lot more we could talk about, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the wise men. So we're going to start by looking at Matthew chapter 2. So let's go ahead and read this together. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. When he, had, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found them out. From the start, oh, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented with him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So we have a quick video to watch since I'm a history teacher. Let's do a little history here. Uh, if we could, do I need to click? So these wise men are amazing. Okay, uh, you can go back and, and, and take a look at them. Uh, some people believe there was four of them and not just three, that we have this tradition that there was three because there's three gifts, that there may have been four. 
And then, of course, we know that the other thing about the wise men that kind of stands out is that when we have our little nativity scene, uh, the wise men weren't there. Okay, it's, it makes for great show and for great you know, pageant and everything. They actually came later. Okay, the shepherds were there in the manger, but it says in the scripture that they came to a house and that the child was really more like a toddler. So Jesus, they estimate it was around two years old perhaps. And these guys had been traveling looking for this king. Now what's amazing again is that they've come from Persia, not a Christian nation, not a Jewish nation. And they're coming there. And how would these guys know anything about a king in Jerusalem? And we think that's because in the book of Daniel, we know that Daniel went to Persia during the Babylonian captivity and that perhaps he brought with him his Old Testament scriptures and that he, uh, Daniel also became sort of a high-level uh, administrator in their government and perhaps he shared this information about the Messiah, about a coming king that was going to come. So it's kind of cool. But these guys come and they're traveling. They're coming from Persia and they're looking for this king. Now, they're even more amazing because when they get there, they have this interaction with Herod. And, you know, I think first off, they may have not known that Herod had this intention to, to kill the king, right? That this was a big threat to his, his government, his leadership, and he felt very threatened. So they go on. So they're following the star. Now, this star, again, I'm going to sound like I'm an astrologist here, but I'm not. Uh, but uh, what happens is there's something called a double oculation. And this is where Saturn and uh, Jupiter are really close together. And astrologists say that this happens in, uh, every 6,000 years. And uh, this, this lineup of these stars together, these two planets, make this really shine. Now, this happens three times in, during this year because of the orbits. I think it happens in uh, March uh, 29th, and it happens later on October, and there's another time, I think in December or November, I forget the dates. But th it happens. So we know that these wise men are following the star. So they knew that there was going to be a king born. They didn't know exactly where, although they had the city right. They had Bethlehem. So there was going to be born there. But they didn't know exactly where in Bethlehem. So they travel, and it took this star to lead them to the house where Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were living. Now, that's amazing. You have, you, show, you knock on the door, right? You think, hey, it's Amazon. They're dropping off a package. Or, hey, it's, you know, my friend. Or we can do the ring thing where I kind of look and see who it is, right? Now, I guess you can look in your bedroom. You can see who's at the front door. That's kind of crazy. But these guys come to the front door, and they're like, hey, we're here, and we're here to see the king. And like, wow, this is amazing. Now, think about this. Uh, they didn't, this is a child. This is a, maybe a two-year-old toddler. I know we have a couple of young kids here in the audience back there. It would be like, hey, you know, over here, this, this person in the 10th row, this young child there. Sorry, I didn't call you a child. This young man uh, over there, uh, this guy's going to cure cancer. You go, wow, how did you know that? That's, that's, that would be amazing. Let's, let's go ahead and hold him up. Or, hey, over there, there's a, a future congressman. Or there's a, a person who's going to do something really great in the world. They didn't know this. They had never heard Jesus preach a sermon. Think about us. Like, we have heard Jesus preach. We've read the scriptures, right? We've read what Paul wrote. We've read the, the, the Bible, and we know, like, wow, this is amazing. We've, we've heard about the things. Now, we didn't personally see them happen, but we've read about them, and that's where our faith comes. These guys had incredible faith. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain what you do not see. They didn't see Jesus preach. And yet they come and worship him and bow down to him. They acknowledge his kingship. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. You know, it makes me think about when people come 
to church. You know, there's people, you may be here today, you've just kind of wandered in, you saw something on the website, or you, you just like heard from somebody, or you got a, a card from somebody, and you're, you're here, you know, for the first time. Maybe you're seeking God like those wise men, right? But you know what it takes, church? It takes stars to lead people to the king, okay? I like this point. So what happens is this. You know who the stars are? You're the stars. You're the stars. Like Earth, Wind, and Fire. Be a shining star. No matter who you are. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. That's my group. Okay? But you're the shining star. Philippians 2.15 says, Do everything without complaining and arguing, dot, 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 so that you may shine like stars in the universe. You're going to lead wise men and women to God by being shining stars. It's going to be the life that you lead just by what you do. So church, let's be really aware that we are the stars here and we need to be leading people uh, to God. Uh, My first point is that we're going to go and look at 10 ways to increase your godly wisdom this year in 2020. I grew up in the time of David Letterman and the top 10 list. Uh, Some of you know that. So here's my top 10 of ways you can become more godly like the wise men in 2020. The first way is you need to have your life GPS set. Your life GPS. GPS, the global positioning system, right? It's amazing. Uh, Daniel Barnes works with this, uh, our single guy. It's, it's an amazing thing, right? You've got to have your GPS. Now, what is our life GPS? It's God's word. Look at this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Wisdom is my key word here. It's going to be showing up a lot of these scriptures. But see, we need to make sure we are connected we're connected. Um, you know, there's no greater wisdom than God's word. There's no greater wisdom. And if you're trying to lead, lead your life by any other way, any other means, any other philosophy, it's not going to work. It's not going to lead you to the king. It's not going to lead you to the king. Second point, if you're going to have godly wisdom, you need to do what the Spirit says. And I just forgot to click. Hold on, here we go. Oh, there it is. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You've got to listen to the Spirit. Some of us, this is a foreign concept to us. Um, I grew up uh, with uh, a little bit of uh, uh, the charismatic movement, okay? The little Pentecostal. Uh, that was a little bit of the f- background with, with my family. And I was kind of like, uh, no, I'm not sure that's how things work. This is kind of strange and different for me. So I kind of shunned away from, like, the Holy Spirit. Like, okay, yeah, I need to live a moral life, and I see this is what I need to do, and I need to do this. But, boy, if you're missing out on the Holy Spirit, you're totally missing out. It's like watching something in black and white, and then it's color. Like, whoa, this is amazing. So I've become more and more fascinated by the Holy Spirit. I mean, take a look at what this verse says. You've got to be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. There's a wise way to walk. This is how you live your life. Okay? Um, Sometimes the Spirit is trying to get our attention, and so it'll nudge us. It'll... Uh, it'll, it'll push us. It'll, get our, it'll, it'll just speak to us. And this is God's wisdom trying to say, hey, I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to guide you. And we felt that at different times when we go and want to share with people, right? And just like, hey, I think I'm, I'm going to go share my faith with that person. You know, My wife is like, 
she loves sharing her faith, and I love being married to her because she helps me. You know, I'm not naturally like that. But she'll be like, hey, you know what? I think I want to go talk to this person before we leave the restaurant. Hey, I want to go talk to this person before we leave this situation. Hey, I think that this person, we're crossing paths here because the Spirit wants us to talk to this person. I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. This is awesome. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, I'll get the card out and write my name on it. Like, here you go, you know. But, I mean, this is what God does. He prompts us. He spurs us on towards love and good deeds. And if we're distracted, it's another one of my points later, but if we're distracted, we're not going to be hearing that. We're not going to be listening. We're so caught up in other stuff. My third point is that we need to listen to the heart part. Now, wisdom, wisdom can be head knowledge and it can be heart knowledge. And there's a big difference between the two. Look what the scripture says. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Inscrutable, that's like an SAT word, right? Like, note that down, look that up, teens, okay? God's wisdom is amazing, and yet we can so easily get caught up in just spiritual head knowledge, okay? You've got to know this, that being smart spiritually isn't the way to go. Having godly wisdom is the way to go. You know, what happens is this. Uh, when, uh, when I moved from Ohio, I moved to Boston. This is where I eventually met Catherine. And uh, just by circumstances, God, the Spirit, I ended up living in Harvard Square, right? Cambridge, which is where Harvard is, okay? I'm not a Harvard guy, okay? I'm not, I'm not Ivy League, okay? I'm not that level, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, I'm a BC guy, B's and C's, mostly C's, you know what I'm saying, okay? So I'm not straight A, even though I'm a teacher now, and I expect kids to get A's, it's like, you know, I kind of know where I come from, right? So I have a lot of compassion on those B's and C kids, right? But what happens is I'm living in Harvard Square, I became so intimidated because everybody that I'm meeting, left and right, are smart. The guy that I'm living with was working on the Star Wars project, right? This whole thing, I can't get into it. Cold War, go look it up. Go, go see the museum, okay? Uh, but, you know, really, really smart people. And so I got very intimidated. One of the brothers said, hey, you know, you don't know much, so maybe you should start reading the newspaper. I'm like, cool, right? So I started buying the Boston Globe, right? And just reading the Boston Globe. You know, here it is, like looking at it. And then somebody said, hey, you should get a balanced view. Maybe you should read the Wall Street Journal too. I'm like, okay, I'll start reading the Wall Street Journal, right? And then eventually, uh, you know, I just started reading books. I love books. If you come to my house... Well, you probably don't see these parts, but um, there's, I have a lot of books, okay? I love books. I love reading. And I tried to fill my head with a lot of knowledge because I wanted to be able to talk and have conversations with Harvard people. My insecurity really shone. Now, eventually I did. I was able to talk and, and have conversations and stuff like that. That was great. Is that spiritual wisdom? No. You know, I can talk the talk and have all this knowledge, but it's not heart wisdom. This is where God operates in the heart, right? When God looks at us, does he look at our head? Does he look at our, our ACT scores and SAT and how well you did? No, he looks at your heart. You know, God's wisdom is something that's attainable for all of us. We all cannot be smart and intellectual. Sorry. Okay? It's a blessing. Okay? It's sometimes a curse. Okay? But here's the thing. Every one of us, I'm talking to the back row, I'm talking to Brother Jackson back there, leaning against back there. I mean, we can all be world, godly, wisdom-wise. It's attainable for us. And it's not only attainable, it's expected. God wants his children 
Just like we want our kids to be smart and intelligent and get good grades, God wants us to get good grades. He wants us to be godly wise. And it's attainable. So how are you going to get this? You've got to do some of the things we're talking about here. Okay? My next point, part four. You've got to stop, look, and listen. Look at this in Proverbs. It says, does not wisdom call out? Does not wisdom raise her voice? Well, what's wisdom trying to do? It's trying to get your attention. Guys, we live in a world where our attention spans are controlled by this. It's, it's just mind-blowing. Those of us who are my age, like the way it used to be and the way it is now, okay, sit in the car with mom and dad on a long trip, and we'd say, I'm bored. They said, look out the window. Uh, okay, talk to your brother. Okay, you know, let's play a game, you know. I see with my little eye, you know. All these, I mean, we had conversations, okay. But we have to be careful, guys. We have to be careful because, man, this is like a dark hole. This is a vortex. This is a rabbit hole that we can go down, and it can completely distract us from what we should be trying to do, okay. I think it's a super challenge now. I see it in my classroom, right? Put your cell phone away. Hey, put your cell phone away. Put your cell phone away. Put your cell phone away. Okay? It's just, it's a major, major distraction. We have to be careful. And I think the sooner some of us recognize that, you know, we have a little bit of a problem with this, okay, then we'll be doing much better spiritually, okay? And I get it that we can read our Bible on this, and that's pretty cool. I still, I'm old school. I like my paper Bible, you know. It's like, but I get it. I get it. There's a lot, of, there's, a, there's access to a lot of cool spiritual knowledge here. But God's wisdom is only going to be found in his word. And you've got to start going after it. You've got to start going after it. So you've got to stop, you've got to look, and you've got to listen. My next point, you've got to take the test. You've got to take the test. It says in uh, Proverbs 1, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom. Well, this is coming from the beginning of the book of Proverbs. If you have not done a study of the book of Proverbs, and we're talking deep sea diving here, Okay? You need to go ahead and jump into the book of Proverbs. Maybe in 2020, that's something you can do. Okay? But just start reading these uh, fortune cookie like Proverbs. And it's just not fortune cookie where you just kind of read and go, ha, that's funny, and throw it away. Like, no, you put it in your heart. Okay? These, are, these, these are directions from a father to a son. Hey, son, listen. Justin, listen up. Okay? Read the book of Proverbs. Okay, no. But, uh, you know, as fathers, how are we instructing our kids? What are we teaching our kids? Are we teaching our kids to cut corners? Are we teaching our kids, that, you know, hey, this is how we live our life, whatever, whatever. Your kids are the most valuable treasure that you've got physically on this planet next to your wife. Okay? Fathers, take care of your kids. Teach them right. Monitor how much time they're spending on this. And how much, how much stuff, how much media that they're getting. It's really, really important. There were so many times that, you know, Catherine had to remind me to go, you know what, I think Justin's doing this too much, you know, or I think Alexis is watching Lizzie McGuire too much, you know, or, or you know, hey, I'm dating her. So what happens, you know, just like, hey, we've got to cut back a little bit here. Let, let's just have family time, okay? Let's just go ahead and, and, and we're going to turn the TV off. We've got stuff to do. We're going to be family, right? Um, Catherine would, would like, make sure that we always spent Sunday evenings together. Remember that? Just our dinners. It was, pri- it was like, it's just us. And there'd be other families that go, hey, let's go out and do this. I'd go, yeah, let's do that. Oh, no, 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 we're, we're going to do family time. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. You know? I mean, we have to be careful and really take care of our families. 
Okay? You've got to take the test. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says you've got to examine everything carefully. 10% of the decisions that we have to make are normally black and white decisions. It's really clear. Like, do this, don't do this. It's sort of really clear. We will go, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, 10% of the decisions we have to make. 90% fall in this category of discernment. It falls in this category of, well, I don't know. Uh, we could do this, or we could do that, or we could do that. It's not that it's a bad choice. You just have to think about what's the best choice. Okay? Um, this comes into our lives. This is like where we're at with dating. Singles, you have to be really careful the relationships you get involved in. I mean, I feel like I'm the richest man in the world having married Catherine Catan. That was her maiden name. <clears throat> I mean, I really do. I feel like it's one of the greatest things that I ever did is to say, uh, I think I'm going to chase her. I'm going to go after her. I'm going to ask her out. I'm going to keep asking her out. I'm going to stay near her if I can. I'm going to fellowship with her if I can. Okay? Uh, eventually, I want to date her. Uh, I want to I do things with her because she's good. She's got a pure heart. She loves God. And if I marry her, she'll love God more than me. And then I'm set up in a really good place. And I'm really set up well. So, singles, really take this into account as you think through relationships you get involved with. Your heart can be snatched. Your heart can be taken. This is where this head knowledge, and you can just you can get out there. Surround yourself with people that can help really talk through what's going on in your life. Okay? Uh, I feel so fortunate that my kids have found godly people and I feel great about where they're at. You know, I know that's the, the hope of every Christian uh, man and woman that have children to go, hey, I want them to really do well. Uh, I want them to do well. And the way that they're going to do well is by finding somebody that's going to help them, if that's in the plan. Um, we've got financial questions we have to try to address. We have career issues we have to address. There's so many things that fall in this 90%. And when we're going to make good decisions, it's not working on worldly wisdom it's working on godly wisdom, and it's tapping into that. So take the test about the decisions that you're making. Number six, get some time today. Today. Look at this. In James chapter 1, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, is that anybody in here? Yeah. But let's just assume maybe one person, right? I know, I'm talking to the one person. <clears throat> hey, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. What is this saying? Hey, listen, if you've got a relationship with God, if you've got your sins forgiven and you're walking in the light, you're connected with our Father, guess what? He has a whole reservoir of godly wisdom ready to just lavish on you, okay? Um, the way that I thought about this recently is we just got Disney Plus, right? I think a lot of people got the free Disney Plus thing, you know, right? Because you want to see the Mandalorian. You want to see little Baby Yoda, right? Zahid, have you seen Baby Yoda yet? Baby Yoda? Yeah, it's a really good Anyhow, you got to see Baby Yoda. It's, it's pretty cool. So what happens is this. Uh, you know, Disney Plus, right? I'm like, okay, so first, I, we don't get it on our TV because it's outdated, right? We have an outdated big TV. So it's like we have to get this Fire Stick thing from Amazon. And we get that. And so, you know, I've been playing around with it a little bit. Justin knew how to plug it in, get it all going and everything. So then I'm clicking through it. There's so much on there. It's like, wow, Disney, you have so much stuff that I can look at. They've got uh, the the National Geographic channel, and they've got music, right? We were playing the music last night. It was like, oh, it's so cool. This is like, this is like you if you don't get in touch with God's wisdom. There's so much that God wants to give to you. There's so much that he wants to share with you. But we just go, hey, you know, I'll just, uh, 
I'll just watch one channel, right? And that's all I'm going to watch, right? What? No, there's so much. Your God wants to lavish generously upon you his wisdom. And yet we can get so caught up in worldly wisdom and not think, well, I don't need that, right? But this godly wisdom, it has to be worked for. Look at this in Isaiah 28. This also comes from the Lord of hosts. He is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. I like this word counsel. Now, I'm not trying to put therapists or or psychologists out of business, but I think the first counsel that Christians need to go to is God. Okay? I'm all for talking to people and and there's tools and stuff. You know, I I love our counselors. One of my best friends is Dave Bruce. I love talking with him. Okay? But the first counsel needs to be God. That's where you go first when you have a decision to make. That's where you go first when you feel anxiety. That's where you go first when you have a difficulty at work or at school or in your apartment or in your home or in your finances. But what do we often do? Eh, I want to go talk to somebody. I want to talk to an expert, okay? And Okay, great. But I really don't think you're going to get clearly the things that you need to know until you first go after seeking out God's wisdom in the issues that you're struggling with, Okay? And again, don't get me wrong, I love our counselors, I love our therapists, I love people that have a godly view and have the expertise to be able to work those things together. But if you're just trying to go just the counseling route, I don't think it's going to up so good. And you may get some help temporarily, whatever, but we're talking about lasting things, like really fulfilling those deep hurts and getting get under those issues. Okay? Um, number seven, she's a keeper like Catherine. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. Proverbs 4, verse 6. What is this talking about? It's talking about wisdom. Look at this. Don't forsake her. She'll keep you. Love her, and she's going to guard you. This is what wisdom, this is what godly wisdom does for you. Okay? It protects you, and you don't even realize that you've been protected. There are so many things that you will not have to deal with in this life because you have got godly wisdom involved. You've made godly decisions. Guys, we know. We know our lives before we became Christians. We were making a mess of things, okay? We were just, and we've seen the lives of our parents. We've seen the lives of other people. And we go, oh my gosh, if they would have only dot, dot, dot. We can avoid so much. And I think God so much as our Father it's like wanting to like take care of us and protect us and help us. Okay, Wisdom is a keeper. Make sure you're asking God to protect you. Number eight. There's a price tag to wisdom. How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Proverbs 16, 16. Gold and silver. Right? Diamonds are a girl's best friend, right? It's the flash. It's the dash. It's the really cool stuff, okay? Guys, we live in the city of gold and silver, okay? The stars, the Hollywood, okay, materialism. And there's other cities like this. We have to be careful because if we're going after material things, if we're going after personal, professional achievements, it's going to be empty. Now, I'm not saying you can't do that. And I think... Professional men and women who are doing excellent in their businesses and in their jobs, they need to shine like stars. Okay? And I believe the way that they get to those positions with integrity is by having godly wisdom. But let's be careful. 
let's really be careful because this is such a subtle thing. Okay? Because you can get fooled into going after things that will require major, major amounts of time, energy, and it ends up being meaningless. Yeah. Meaningless. Okay? Read uh, about uh, Solomon. Meaningless. Okay? He had so many projects going on. He had so much this and this and this. Looking for true fulfillment. Meaningless. Meaningless. Okay? Is the theme of that. Much, much more important to get. Wisdom rather than gold and silver. Number nine, the poison. Number nine, the poison. The poison of wisdom is pride. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Think about this. You know, we all want to be wise in our own eyes. We all want to, like, you know, impress each other. We all want to look good. You know, I felt so much of that pressure when I met Catherine's father. I just wanted to be just everything that, like, hey, I'm your, I'm your daughter's knight in shining armor, right? And then he found out I went to public school, right? It's like, wow. Uh, but this man, I tried to impress him. And, you know, I realized that it came on early on that I, I just, I'm, I can't do this. Like, I, I'm just not going to be able to impress him, okay? And I really appreciate how much he gave to us and gave to our young marriage, and he gave to uh, financially. He really helped us and took care of us. Um, and I knew deep down inside, he was like, okay, I kind of wish he was alive today to see my kids. You know, kind of go, hey, pops, you know, uh, what do you think? The kids kind of turned out okay, huh? So, you know, but anyhow, you know, hey, it's okay. Uh, but here's the thing. Our, our pride can be our downfall. Because we can get the worldly wisdom. God can be funneling this stuff through us and to us. And speaking to us. But if we are so prideful that we're just like, I don't know, I just don't think that's the way to go. I don't think so. I don't know. And we say no to God's wisdom. <coughs> Excuse me. We can end up not making the decisions that we need to make in a right way. Um, I have been watching a series on Netflix called The Crown with Catherine. And we've loved this. It's kind of cool. Uh, of course, it's history, uh, but it's the, the British crown and Queen Elizabeth. And, this, and so there, there was a recent episode called Moondust. Uh, guys, I think you should see this. It's, it's a really good episode. But it talks about, it focuses on Prince Philip, uh, which is Queen Elizabeth's husband. And in this, he's going through a midlife crisis. Uh, he's become fascinated with the men landing on the moon, right, which I can remember that during that time. Uh, the men landing on the moon. It was like, oh my gosh, the men are landing on the moon. <clears throat> and he gets all into this, and he starts to think about himself and about him doing great things, and he sort of puts these, these astronauts on a pedestal. They later on come to uh, Buckingham Palace, and they come and visit the queen and, and, and Prince Philip. And he sits down with them, and he starts talking to them, and he realizes, um, these are my idols, and they're just ordinary men. Now, the story within the story that's going on is that he's having this midlife crisis about who he is and about his role. His wife is the Queen of England. Who is he? And so he has this midlife crisis about wanting to achieve things. And it comes down where uh, there's a, a, a minister in the Anglican church that comes and says, hey, I know you have a, some, you have a building here. Could we <clears throat> use this building for uh, a retreat for ministers? And um, he says, uh, uh, they say, well, sure, yeah, it's kind of weird. So he goes and actually shows up at one of their 
sessions that they have for these ministers that are kind of burnt out in the Anglican church. And he ridicules them. He's like, what's wrong with you guys? Like, you guys are just pathetic. I mean, he says some really rude things to them. And he ends up um, uh, telling them, like, you guys just need to get busy. Do something. Action. Go. Just do something. Accomplish something with your life. Well, then he meets the astronauts. And then he realizes that, wow, like, I held these guys up on a big pedestal. And he starts to reflect upon himself. And he realizes how empty he is. So he goes back at the end and he says, he says, I come to say to you, help. So he completely humbles himself to these aging, these, uh, these, these ministers that are a little bit burnt out. He says, I need help from you. And of course, these guys are like wide-eyed, like, uh, okay, this is, the, this is the queen's husband. Like, oh my gosh, like, but this humility that he shows, it's a really, it's an amazing transformation. Okay, I loved it because it shows that humility of heart. Are you going to say help this year? You probably need to say help more than you think. Saying help reflects your humility and that you don't know exactly what's going on. Okay? Number 10, and lastly, the first step is to fear God. The first step is to fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This whole fear of God thing, I've been reading more and more about it. That's a whole other two or three sermons. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. What does that even mean? Study it out. Start, Start to go on a journey of searching about what this is all about. I just know that as we head into our older age, we have health issues, we have family issues, we have relationship issues. These things happen to us. One of the things that we're going to deal with is suffering. I know some of my close friends lately have been dealing with some tough situations. And um, you just go, wow. And, you know, you think, gosh, it's, it's a dark place. Okay? Uh, some people call it the dark night of your soul where you're faced with a challenge and it's like, this is really overwhelming. The only place where you're going to get comfort is the fear of God. Because in the fear of God is the ultimate comfort. This is deep stuff, and we don't have time to talk about it now. But um, it's a place where you need to go. In church, I encourage you to go there and explore more and more about deepening and encouraging that area of your life. We're going to take communion right now. And I want to wrap up by looking at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 20. It says, Where is the wise man? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and look at this, the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than God, than oops, human strength. What an amazing passage. Are you that wise man that he's talking about, that's depending upon your worldly wisdom? Where's true wisdom at? It's Christ and him crucified. I want to go ahead and uh, 
uh, play a song, and we'll finish out our communion. I'll go ahead and we'll watch the song, and then we'll go ahead and I'll say a prayer for us, and then we'll go ahead and take communion, okay? Father, we're so grateful for all that you've done for us. As we wrap up this year, as we look back, as we look forward, we want to go with you. We want to go with you and your wisdom. Father, help us to kind of go back to to the things we maybe did at first as young disciples and just uh, spend great time with you, whether it's in the morning, afternoon, or the evening. But it's quality time that we're putting away the distractions. We're putting away all things that can get us to take our eyes off of you. Father, we want to walk with you. We know at times we've, we've lagged behind. And sometimes we run ahead. But we want to walk in perfect step with you and your spirit. God, we love you so very much. Thank you for the, for the bread that we're going to take right now that represents your son's body and the body here at the, of the church that we get to be a part of. And we thank you also for the, for the juice that we're going to drink that represents your son's blood. We consider your son's blood the most precious liquid that's ever been poured because it allows us to have this relationship with you. It forgives us of our sins, which are many, and allows us to be in a perfect relationship with you. Thank you so very much for the incredible gift. Be with us as we head into 2020, striving to be the very best we can. And we pray all of this to your son's most incredible name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.